This week's episode of the Debrief Podcast by Lethal Minds Journal is brought to you by FieldSeats.com. FieldSeats.com is an e-commerce federally licensed firearms dealer. They provide virtual reviews on brand new firearms, optics, and gear, where at the end of the review, they give away the item being reviewed to an attendee. That's you. Currently, they've got reviews up ranging from $20 for a brand new Smith & Wesson M&P Shield 2.0, to $60 for a new Trijicon ACOG with RMR. Each review has limited seats, so your chances of winning the review are that much higher. Check out FieldSeats.com to purchase your reviews and enter to win the item being reviewed and use Lethal Minds, that's Lethal Minds, all one word, to get 10% off your order. Be sure to also check out their Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Field underscore Seats for updates on product and other tips and info. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Debrief Podcast brought to you by Lethal Minds Journal. I'm your host, Nate Gladden, United States Air Force by uh, branch. Um, been fortunate to meet some great people doing this podcast and just over my military service. Interesting people, great people, hardworking people, uh, well-traveled people, and well-read people. And that is what my guest today, Michael Plunkett, is. You may know him uh, uh, through PB Abate Book Club, where he is our uh, fearless captain and leader. You may know him through Literature of War. You may know him through Dead Reckoning Collective. There's a lot of different ways that you may have come across him. And if you haven't, then you're going to understand the importance on literature, the importance on just the finer things in life, if you will. And so I am sitting here currently uh, with a whiskey and I am sipping it and I'm looking at a couple different things. We talked about, uh, you know, we talked about PB Abate Book Club. So, of course, we talked about For Whom the Bell Tolls uh, by Ernest Hemingway, which we are currently doing the year long read along. Last year they did Moby Dick. I was not a part of that, but from hearing the insults tossed at each other during the Patrol Base Abate Monthly Book Club, I'm sure some people enjoyed that more than others. I love uh, that uh, it's Plunkett taking us through it. We also talked about many different books. You know, from the from the uh, from the war front, if you will, when it comes to literature, or of course, like we said, just really any aspect. So, if you're whether you're trying to, I don't know, you're an E three trying to get smarter at your job, an O four trying to get smarter at your job, so you're reading in that uh, direction, or you're somebody like myself who, yes, I do read professional stuff because I need to continue to get better, uh, but at the same time, you also read for true and utter enjoyment. You read because you believe in the, the, you believe in what, what it, what happens when somebody takes their thoughts, their creativity, whatever it is, and they put it onto paper and then they present that to you. It's something special. But inside of that, I'm talking to Plunkett about uh, serving in the Marine Corps Reserve. I'm talking to him about his time in education uh, or becoming educated. I'm talking about uh, just stories because stories are what matter. And that is what we get into in the lethality of literature. So I'm going to shut up now and let you listen to my guy, Michael Plunkett. Here we go. Yes, Captain, like we just said, Captain of PB Bate Book Club, Literature of War, all these different things. We're going to dive into them. We're going to have fun. 
Mm-hmm. So, but for purposes of, we got to make sure this sounds real fancy. You are the El Capitan. We'll say that. We'll go with a fancy <laughs> title. So El Capitan, uh, take it away and introduce yourself to the people who are listening. Of course, Michael Jerome Plunkett. I was a uh, United States Marine Corps for six years as a reservist, got out as a corporal about a year ago. Nice. Okay. Where were you reservist out of? Do you, like, um, yeah, I was with uh, 2nd Battalion, 25th Marines for most of my time in. They're stationed at a Garden City, New York. It's on Long yeah. Island. Yeah, okay. How's it re- reserve-wise? Um, I mean, I know obviously every different mission set can be a little bit different, right? Every branch is going to be a little different. But I'm curious, reserve-wise as a Marine, is it this – I mean, I'm assuming it's the – you know, the typical standard bottom line has got to be the, you know, the one we get a month, two weeks a year, guaranteed, that kind of thing, right? But then it's just a matter at that point, I say this because people reach out, right? They reach out and they ask like, I want to do this or I want to do that or I want to join whatever. But if they're joining the Marine Reserve, is it more so like each unit tends to rotate or is it more based on like what your career field, your MOS is, that kind of thing? Great question. Um, And I don't even know if I have the best answer because it was explained to me several different ways in my time in. (laughs) You know, my understanding was that at least from... The, the reservist perspective that we were kind of cycling through. I think it was at the battalion level. There were a couple of different battalions that were kind of the ready to go battalion, uh, ready to be deployed, but not deployed as a unified unit, right? They would come in, they'd be like, we need four corporals or four uh, staff NCOs who are this, have this, that, and the other qualification because we've got this uh, MU going out. We've got a, you know, unit deployment program, UDP going out to Okinawa. And these would come down like sometimes there'd be like a bunch over the course of a couple of months and then you wouldn't hear anything for nine months. And then one would come along that would be building up to that. Maybe they needed more like 20 guys to go. Um, but it's, okay. it's very much like you, you feel like you're on the bench, you know, like it's like the, okay. the game going on and it's like at any moment, yeah, you could be tapped in or you could end up spending the whole game just kind of sitting there. Right. That's kind of the, the the feeling it felt like for me. And like I said, I was I was just a enlisted guy who was pretty far down on the, the totem pole. So I would get conflicting information. You know, sometimes the big one for us was when we almost a bunch of us went to Afghanistan. And I guess that was 2018. Uh, and that had been built up for months and months and months. And I mean, every drill weekend we went in, we were getting a different word. You know, first it was you're all going. Then it was none of you are going. Then it was only they need the junior enlisted, like Lance Corporals and below. That's they're not taking anybody above Lance Corporal. And then it was they're not taking any Lance Corporals. They need only staff. And, you know, this is the way it was. It kept yeah. changing. Even they did the whole, uh, you know, the big formations where the, the senior brass would come in and, and be like, all right, look to your left and right. You know, in, a, in about eight months, you're all going to be in a much hotter, drier place. And not all of you coming home, that, those kind of speeches. Oh, yes. And at the end of it, like basically none of us went from weapons company. <laughs> all of us went, and it was just like okay, back to you know the once a month, all all the like ramping up and everything was just like all right, you missed your chance. Back to drill weekends. Yeah, yep, that's how it goes. Yep, gotta love it. I think um, it, it uh, you know, you get in like from an aviation standpoint, you get in a cycle, right? And a lot of times you go, it's three months deployed, three months home, three months deployed, three months home, or it's you know, every year and a half or two years or something like that. But then you got the guys that want to jump in out of cycle. You want to volunteer. I volunteered to go with other units and stuff like that. And you just deploy. Um, so yeah, it is random, but I do know, I do know a lot of our, uh, like our, our maintenance and our ops package seem to always, for the most part, stick together, but everybody else surrounding us on an installation would, you know, it was come and go, you know, like, 
it seemed that way for active duty. I mean, obviously, I'm gonna say this, and it'd be like somebody active be like, well, actually, if you look at the cycles, no, well, I don't give a shit about the cycles. So, <laughs> but like, it seemed like it didn't matter if it was a guard base, reserve base, active duty base. It's out the door, three people out the door here, two out the door here. Then all of a sudden, you look up and there's like 15 people gone from over there. Whereas mm-hmm. for the most part, we kind of went in. You you knew our cycles, right? Um, but we were part of the the logistical train, if you will, you know, so they have to make sure they know exactly how many people, uh, you know, how much equipment they don't give a shit about the people, but the equipment that they need that's is right. manned by the people. So that's why they have, that's why you go also. Right. That's priority. <laughs> but, yeah. But that's the priority is always going to be the, uh, the, 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 the mission, but really it's the equipment that handles that mission. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's cool, man. I just wanted to get an idea of that. Obviously, for those who are listening who don't know you, obviously they're getting introduced to you, but a ton of people are going to know you from you know either PB Abate Book Club, right? Which is obviously how I got to know you was uh, through PB Abate Book Club, uh, PB Abate in general, really. Um, maybe it's literature of war, different things. So I kind of want to just jump into all that and talk about it. Yeah. Um, but then also like what you got on the horizon. So we'll start wherever you want, man. Whatever you want to talk about first is exactly what I want to talk about first. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could start with how I got involved with patrol base Abate because that organization changed my life. And I think it's making massive waves in the veterans yes. community. Um, I mean, the long and short of it is I, I moved um, from New York down to Charleston, South Carolina. I'd gotten into a MFA program there and I've been, in, I grew up in New York. Like I said, I was stationed up there. I was slowly losing my mind. It was just time for, for a change. Uh, I was working in some bunch of jobs that I wasn't happy with. And I took about a year to go really invest in myself as a writer. Uh, it was a big, and it wasn't even just investing in myself. It was a huge risk. MFA programs, which can, we can talk about that later as well. Are, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with them. <laughs> But I finally, I, like what I was doing just wasn't working. And I was, you know, I'd been working on a novel in like the odd hours, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, before work, after work, uh, losing sleep just to work on this book that I'd felt really invested in. And I finally finished it and I got it in front of a, an agent and he ended up passing on it, but he he wanted to read the whole thing, right? So when you meet with an agent, you just like you pitch them. A lot of times you don't hear anything back or they're just like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of cool, but no thanks. And this guy was like, that's a pretty interesting idea. Let me read the whole thing. And I remember feeling it was a face-to-face interaction. It was kind of like a conference where you could sign up to meet with agents and pitch them, kind of like a speed dating sort of thing. Yes. Um, I remember pitching it to him and had no expectations that anything was going to happen. And he was like, that's pretty cool, actually. Why don't you send it over? I'll take a look at it. And I was so thrilled in that moment that I could not figure out how I'd gotten to the room that I walked into. Like I walked out to the hallway and I was like, I, I was so bewildered because I was like, somebody might actually want to read this thing I've been working on for like, at that point, it'd been like six years of working yeah. on this album. He ended up passing on it, but somewhere around there, I was like that rush and that like, if, I mean, it was rejection, but it felt like validation in the moment. Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to pursue this a little, little more seriously. And I needed to figure out how to do that because just, holding myself up in my apartment in Queens and trying to write the next great American novel was not, you know, people say chase your dreams and everything, but that's not a realistic approach. So long story long, I spent about a year looking into MFA programs and being really deliberate and figuring out how I could make this happen without going into a stupid amount of debt. And I ended up getting into the college of Charleston, um, 
through a variety of different scholarships, uh, the Montgomery GI Bill, uh, as well as uh, my grandmother ended up uh, basically saying, you're going to take this money and run with it. I was like, grandma, I don't need the money. She was like, stop telling me what to do with my money. I want to give it to you. This is what you're going to use it for. And I said, That's okay, right. fine. You know? And I That's moved down awesome. to Charleston and about, it was, it, everything started to move really fast. Like two or three months after I moved down to Charleston, I, I'd been following uh, Major Tom Schumann's Kill Zone page for a while. And he put out this call to action about looking for volunteers uh, about patrol base Abate was going to be this organization. I didn't even really understand what it was. It just said, like, if you have an interest, we want to hear from you. Send us an email. And there was a form and I filled it out and completely forgot about it. And just went about like, I was like, I like books. I like talking about writing. I'm down here at the MFA program at College of Charleston and went about the rest of my semester, not even thinking about it. And I ended up getting an email back like two or three months after that saying, mm -hmm. Hey, we're still looking for volunteers. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, sure. And I remember I got on the zoom call and I like, like once again, I was still kind of in the dark about what it was. Uh, I got on this meeting and I'll never forget. It was me, Aaron Kirk and one or two other people, one of which was Tom. Tom didn't even like turn his video on or anything. He, I think he was driving somewhere and he just kind of like dropped into the meeting for five minutes. And I, I had like worn like a little, I think like a collared shirt and a tie or so. I was trying to do like the zoom, like, am I supposed, like, I have no idea what I'm walking into. <laughs> and uh, the meeting lasted all of about five or 10 minutes. I was like, all right, yeah, you seem like a cool guy. You seem like you know what you're talking about. Like, why don't you, uh, you know, start getting some, come, come up with some ideas and we'll hit the ground running in January. And I got off. I was like, yeah, sure. Cool. And I was like, all right. So what am I doing exactly? I'm making a book club. I knew that was like the thing, like making a book club. Um, I guess they're going to tell me what to, what to do with the book club. Cause there's no way they're just going to let me do whatever. Yeah. And the really cool thing about patrol base Abate, if I, if I had to tell anybody who's interested in volunteering with patrol base Abate is that they, there, there was no leash. There was nothing about being on a long route. It was just, you have an idea. We trust your judgment. Go for it. Yep. And I've, and now we're heading into our third year. I very quickly felt completely supported by everybody. Like there was no like, hey, don't do that book. Hey, do there would be suggestions like every once in a while, be like, hey, we've got this author who wants to sit down yeah. with us. Yeah, sure, cool. But when I say that they when they recognize somebody who's got some initiative, they're gonna give you as much uh runway, as much support as you need to get that off the ground. And very quickly, you know, the other thing is, it's like, we're, we're, we're better together than we are by ourselves. When I was in New York and I was, I was going to a lot of readings, I was involved in the literary scene up there, the very large, vast literary scene, but trying to kind of find my way. I, I was just, I was a, a man on an Island. I was just kind of out there. I had friends and everything like that, obviously, but I didn't have like a community. And within less than six months with the patrol base Abate book club, what I saw was these veterans coming together with like-minded approaches to and, and interests and that it grew very quickly, you know, yeah. and that's very little to do with, with me, you know, like yeah. you might, I, I went to undergrad at Gettysburg college. Uh, I was an English major there, right. Specifically a writing major. Um, my thesis was that novel I was referring to before that I continued working on. I was, I've been writing for a while yeah. but I was by myself in a, in a room more or less alone. It, it wasn't until I got involved with patrol base Abate and started getting connected to all these other veterans from all these different experiences that I really started to feel like I was part of a community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's awesome though too. Right. Cause like, I, I, I completely agree. Like when I first, same thing, I was following along, I was following along with Tom's page, like with 
like kills all right and stuff like that and then having and then i so i had him on the old podcast that i used to do pretty early on right so i had him on god i don't know so i was actually in annapolis when he was there and we tried to meet up and then he had like a late class something happened and he was like i don't know whatever happened he's like yeah i gotta stay late now can't do anything it's like all right sounds good so we didn't record and then we ended up jumping on and recording and the the podcast we did had like a profound effect i was just like god this is really refreshing to like talk to somebody who's in who's not in my branch she's an officer there's a whole there's a vast valley between us of, of different things right. um also he's highly intelligent um he knows how to like read a book and understand it i was like oh shit well i can sit still with a book and with whiskey so and you know <laughs> which is a big deal like i like i'm a i'm a go kind of person so i can pick up a book and pour a glass of whiskey and sit still that's a that's a miracle so but we got done with the conversation and i was just like yeah, man, 100%. Like, I'm going to check out this. Like, I'm going to really check out this PB Abate thing instead of just be like, yeah, I'll follow along with it. Yeah. And that's what I was same thing. And I was like, I want to get involved. And then I looked up on the website and saw a book club. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I bet they don't mind if I have whiskey while I sit with a book. <laughs> and, you know, now I'm in book club. And now you are, uh, like, like I, you know, I can't do it, but uh, Brad Pitt's uh, Accident and Glorious Bastards, you are the El Capitan. Just imagine <laughs> in that awesome way that he would say it. Uh, and yeah, that's how, that's what, you know, that's how I got involved, you know? Um, and I love that the different clubs are there. Like I've, I've introduced people as a matter of fact, at taps mm-hmm. that didn't do taps cause I'm old. So I did taps, um, I guess a month ago now, give or take. Um, so I did, uh, yeah, I did about a month ago. So I did taps and in that they were talking about like, you know, how do you find this? How do you do that? How do you do whatever? Um, and I said something, I was like, they were like, oh, do you know of any organizations you want to be a part of or anything else? I was like, I'm a member of PB Abate. Like I stood up at TAPS and told him about it. I had one dude come over and ask me uh, about it. And I told him, I was like, what are your interests? He said this. I was like, we got a hunting club. So he was like, I'm all in. And then another dude who's like, he's like, I like to punch people in the face. And I was like, well, we got something for you too. Um, and then, yeah, that was, it was awesome. You know, and then there was another person who liked to read. So I was like, Hey, check it out. And so I hadn't seen them pop up yet, but I know that they now know. So, but it's, it's a cool organization. It's one that I know it's like, Hey, I don't mind to tell somebody about it, you know? Um, yeah. It's not a, it's not a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? Like there's some things where I'd be like, I'll keep that on myself. I'll maybe, I'll maybe figure it out. But with them, I'm just, I'm all in. Cause I think the people behind them are great. And that's, it's, it's exactly what you just said. It's, it's the people there. There's a certain genuine attitude that a lot of people bring to this club and to the organization at large. I mean, that was, if, if I had to describe the the book club's mission in a single statement, it would be to, to tear down the pretension and make mm-hmm. whatever your feelings about that book that you love is. I want to hear about that. Yeah. You know, those, I remember, so going back to like kind of the beginning, uh, it was me and another veteran at the time we were running it together uh, we sat down and figured out what we, we did, um, tribe by Sebastian Younger was our first book yep. ever, January, 2021. And we were excited, but a little bit nervous. I remember speaking personally that I was, I was like, am I the right person to be doing this? Cause at the time, right. I said, I was, I was a career reservist. I, you know, I've no, I keep it as real as possible. I love the Marine Corps. I love my experience, but I don't have any deployments. I don't have any yeah. combat experience. I was a machine gunner. That's what I was trained. That was my trade. Never did it in real life. Uh, yeah, I don't lose any sleep over it. 
But at the same time, I'm sitting down at this table, this virtual table where people who had been on Instagram were showing up to these meetings or showing expressing interest. And I'm like, oh, oh, boy. Oh, oh, yeah, a little oh, here with two ribbons about to lead. Am I the right guy? And thinking that. And what was crazy to me was once the meeting kicked off, there were all these people that I either admired from a distance or thought were way cooler, whatever that mm-hmm. means, than me who are like stuttering or not wanting to speak or kind of fumbling their words a little bit and saying things like, well, I'm not, I don't know if I'm the best person to say, I'm not a poetry guy. I don't, I don't really read that much. I don't know how to put, and I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, here's this, this room of people all in their own feelings, all in their own insecurities. And very quickly, my mission has been like, has been tear all that down. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care what letters you have behind your name. I don't care about any of that, that crap. Talk about what this made you feel. We can start there. And the rest of the, the terminology, the, the better words, that'll come with time. But let's start with what it made you feel. And then we can move on from there. Like there's no yeah. room for literary pretension in the book club. I want to hear. And you don't have to like everything either. That's the other fun part. Like I like arguments, yeah. discussing different ideas. And that's been kind of our, that's been our beacon that we've been trying to keep at the forefront. I love it. I enjoy it. I also enjoy, actually, I don't remember if it was the last one or if it was the one before that. Um, where I was just kind of sitting there and I looked around and I was like, all right, let me, let me see who these people, like just in the moment of just in whatever random moment, I was like, all right, well, and that, all right, well, I know that this individual is at the Naval Academy right now, you know, like I know that she is, but I also can, you know, she's obviously in the middle of studying and she's paying attention to book club, but that's a Navy person. There's an army person. That's Marine. This is air force. All right. All the branches are covered. Here we go. We have this, we have that there's O's. Those are E's. Okay, that's a vet. This is a current person. And I was like, we're covering like all the bases. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's throwing, you know, shit at each other the, the in, in the proper military way in the t- comments where it's like somebody be like, I like that. And someone be like, uh, whatever. And they turn it to like something totally random. And then there's like random comments, uh, dead gunner poetry saying something off the wall. Buck chimes in and inserts some form of a perfect insult. And then it's just, you know what I'm saying? But it's like fun. And I'm like, that's exactly how I'd be in the barracks. It's exactly how I'd be on the airplane. Uh, It's how I'd be in the field. It's how it is in the book club. And like, everybody's having fun. All the, like you said, all the titles and the nonsense is gone. It's, it's fucking great, man. I love it. Like, I think that's cool. Like, yeah. And you got to run with it, right? Like you said, like you got to run with it and nobody, nobody, nobody was like, oh, you did only this amount of time and you were a reserve. Oh, well. I will guide you through it. It's like, no, nah, like books, like go talk about books. Let's do it. So, you know, so yeah. Um, I do want to ask, and I mean, it's related to books obviously and, and, and all that, but uh, you know, you were talking about doing the MFA, you moved down cause you were doing all that in there in college, Charleston. Right. I, I, I kind of, I want to ask about the MFA stuff, but I want to ask first, you said you went to Gettysburg college, English degree, you know, focus on writing and everything else. What was it that actually made you why like what steered you to writing in the first place? Right. Um, obviously, yep, you like to read. Okay, that's great. But like wh- when was this? What was the conscious decision? Or were you just like six semesters in and you were wearing sweatpants and you were like, I mean, shit, I guess I'll just do this. Because that would have been me if I'd have gone to college. I would have just been that guy. <laughs> great question. Uh, and it was one that I really had to answer for myself right before I, when I, when I started doing that research into going into the MFA program, that was actually when I had to answer that question for myself, because to be honest with you, 
I've been into books and even writing since I was like so many people, you know, here's ever since I was a kid. And I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's true. I still remember the moment I discovered it was the third grade for me that I discovered Treasure Island. And then my uh, teacher, Miss Stanko at uh, Jericho Elementary School on Long Island had to sit down, and just write a story. It's just whatever you want. It's like, I think she was just like, it was the end of the day. It was like free time. It was like, everybody's going to write a story. And wow, that moment grabbed me. But that's cool when you're in the third grade. Now, now you get a little bit older. Yeah. And I, I went through phases. You know, I, I was always had my nose in a book and I'd be scribbling away and everything. But that's not really, that doesn't make you a writer necessarily. So Correct. And, and what what does being a writer mean, right? We start thinking like people have these connotations, like being on the New York Times bestseller list or uh, sitting at an old fashioned typewriter. The, the, it's a lot of imagery, right? It's a lot of it's like the idea of what being a writer is. And like I said, I went through Gettysburg College, was an English major. Everybody told me I was stupid. They were about half right. And I graduated from there. And lo and behold, the job market wasn't that stellar for somebody who's, you know, had a bachelor's degree in, in English literature with a concentration in fiction writing. Uh, so I was a teacher for a little while. I was a, and then I, that was when I, around the time I joined the Marine Corps, um, tons of Tom Hanks jokes. You know, I was an English yeah. teacher beforehand and went to Paris Island as an enlisted guy. And uh, that was not lost on literally anybody above me from <laughs> day one of Paris Island to my last day at SOI. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And I was older too, which made everything. I was. Oh uh, yes. When I got to ITB, they were all. All my instructors were my age, and they were all combat veterans too. Yeah. So they were like, "Where the hell were you?" You know. So I was either <laughs> Tom Hanks or War Dodger. It was either one or the two. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and so then, right? So I joined the Marine Corps, thinking like, okay, I, I was, I was, I felt like I'd not left the launch pad right prior to the Marine Corps. Right, I was a high school English teacher at the high school I went to. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, I went away to college. I came back. I'm, I'm living at home, teaching at the school I went to. It feels like I went in a full circle. I was I was looking into the FDNY. I wanted to be in a, a firefighter. They were not hiring. I ended up joining the Marine Corps. I went away thinking this will change something. And the fact of the matter is, is just in and of itself, while joining the military is one of the most selfless things a, a person can do, it doesn't inherently just make you better. Right. Correct. And I joined as a reservist. So after my, you know, six months or whatever of training, you know, between boot camp to my MOS school, um, I come back and I'm stationed on Long Island. And now I'm just a reservist. And it's like, okay, things are definitely different, but they're still not that different, right? And so to answer your question, I came, so I, after that, I got a job. I actually stumbled into the financial world for a brief couple of years. Uh, a friend of mine referred me to a position at uh, an investment place where I was doing financial, like I was an assistant to a financial advisor and quickly began to hate that. You know, and I, every, everything felt like every decision I was making, somehow I was getting further away from what I wanted to be doing, but I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to be doing. Yeah. And at this point, I'd given up on writing as like a profession, right? I was like, this is majoring in English was stupid selling a book in and of itself is hard. Selling a successful book is nearly impossible. What was I thinking? And I was just, I was miserable. Um, I was really, really unhappy. And I guess to answer your question, like what made me think, okay, what brought me back to writing then? Like, what was it after kind of doing this long windy path through all these different things? My twenties were weird, man. I went through so many <laughs> different career changes that I would not say do it that way necessarily, but it's where I was. And 
to bring it back to to square one, it's it's stories. Like when I when I look through the thread line, what what is it that keeps pulling me into all these different things? It's stories. It's not just writing. There's a there's a thrill to writing, right? Like yes. you sit down, you get an idea, and you start flying down the page. That's that initial spark, that catharsis, cathartic release, and it's mm-hmm. beautiful when it happens. Hang on to it for as long as you can, for as long as it lasts, because it's 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 fleeting. Yes. For me, a lot of what makes a, a writer a writer is what you do after that. When that dust settles and that moment is gone and you've got this gibberish on the page that can definitely be something, how far are you willing to go to turn it into something different, to make it into something more? Because I consider writing a discipline. It's a yes. discipline. It's something I take very seriously. Um, and that's not to say that I judge people for their for their process or whatever, but it can look very different, but I do consider it a discipline. And when I sat there and I was like, I am so deeply miserable on several different le- levels. You know, I I was drinking all the time. I was going through a divorce. I was at the, I was a PFC at the age of 25 at this infantry unit on Long Island. Everybody's like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> people, there were rumors that I'd been NJP'd and all of a sudden, like, there's no way this guy's a PFC. He looks like he's 35 years old. Uh, and, you know, people would salute me randomly because they would see from a distance, they'd be like, oh, here comes an older looking guy. I'd yeah. Or to salute first and then ask questions later. That's the kind of, this is this weird reality that I found myself in. And when I just finally was done with it, it was I was like, I can't live this way anymore. And it was stories. That's what, what brought me back is like from when I was a kid to, to now, the one through line has been storytelling in a variety of different forms, whether that was writing or just li- like my happiest memories are when my grandmother would be telling me stories at like the Christmas party from her childhood all the way up through her life. And uh, that was when I was like, I, that's a kernel. It's a kernel of some type of truth. Do I know how to make money off of that net? No. Do I have a job related to that? No. But that's that's the foundation right there. And I was like, if I can just figure out some way to hold on to that, everything else will line around that. And that's mm-hmm. when I said, okay, College of Charleston, city I've never been to before, not even on vacation. I am driving in the middle of a pandemic, loading up my apartment and coming down here and seeing what's next. Hell yeah. I love that. That's stories. That is life. That is, that is life. That is, oh my God, it really is. It's, can you write it? That is such a, God, that is such a, uh, it is a discipline. And it is also, it is, I mean, it's like a next level of discipline when you go from, all right, I want to write to, I want to write consistently to, I want to write and dedicate myself to this to, all right, I'm going to understand the craft of it. Like I want to become a craftsman of this. Like I want to become that, right? Like um, it's just, yeah. I, so it's funny. I look at, um, it's funny, it's right here. The Triggering Town, right? The book The book you mentioned. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to pick that up. And I took it with me on a trip and I was going across. I was driving all the way to Wyoming, going out there and then coming back. And I, while I was there, I, when we were driving out, I was driving through Nebraska and I, I, I saw this old church and I, you know, train track and all that. And I wrote a, you know, wrote a, I think I sent it to you actually. It was like, Hey, look at this. Um, and I remember there was like, yeah, there was like one line in there. You were like, Oh, I really like that line. And I was like, Holy shit. I just told a story. Like, and I like, was, you know, and it was just one line out of it. And I went back and like edited the whole thing. And then, it, but like, I, but I remember thinking like, I want to try to figure out how to tell the story of what I saw in this way that I don't, 
usually tell anybody. And it was like powerful. And it was the, and it was like the real first time where I was like, Oh shit. I, I wrote something like I told a story, like, you know, I mean, I had written stuff before for myself, but like, that was a different thing, but it is truly, like you say, it's like a, there is that thing that is there where you're like, Oh my God, that feels so good. Um, but then turning that into a discipline to take that and evolve that to where you are, like you're, like you said, a writer is that is such a, that is such a tough thing to do. I also think it's worth it. Right. Like it's, it's just, it's worth it. You're in a great town. I feel like you're in a good town. I've been to Charleston many times. Uh, I feel like it's a great town to do that in, you know, like to, to, to take yourself and like, plant yourself down there to do it under those circumstances. Uh, all of it is amazing. Like I love, you know, I love that. I love that you're doing that. Right. Like that. you And that you did that. Um, I don't know. Cause I do think writing is a discipline. It is a true, I don't know. It's a true gift if you can do it. Um, but then like, I can write you a, I don't know, I can write you a technical manual and that shit's writing, but it ain't a story, you know? So it's like, those are two, you know, <laughs> like those are different things. So, you know, so yeah, there's a lot to it. I think that's where people, they're just like, Oh, it's a cool concept. Uh, like you said, a lot of the imagery, I want to be a, I want to be a writer and I want to do that. I want to chase my dreams as a writer. So yeah, well, your bills are going to chase you. So, you know, you got to figure out where you're at with this. Yeah. And that's, it's an odd profession in that, like most of the writers I know, even I've, you know, I've been very fortunate to interact with a lot of published well-known writers when I was in New York down here through the, through the book club. And very few of them are able to completely support themselves solely on writing. Correct. That used to scare me. It doesn't scare me as much anymore. It makes a lot more sense to me because so when, when I moved down here to Charleston, I said, serious writer man time i'm gonna be a discipline like i said discipline i yes 100 and i'm gonna be i'm just gonna focus on my writing for the, the programs two some programs are three years a lot of them are two years this is it i'm gonna just I, got, I had a job paying the bills working in a bookstore just to meet up some of the you know a little bit of the difference but i was mostly taken care of like i didn't and i was like okay that lasted one semester because i got fidgety i got so fidgety in in three months that like, yeah, I was writing every morning and I was taking my classes, but it felt, you know, I went from being a full-fledged adult, paying bills, you know, living in New York City, writing on the side to now I'm, the, I'm sitting in this college city. Well, you know, Charleston's just a city in and of itself, but the college world in the classroom uh, coming up on the end of my time in the Marine Corps, I transferred to a unit down here and something about it just felt like I was, you know, once again, kind of like hanging out on the sidelines. and. My second semester, I found out that they the the campus, not my MFA program, but the, the College of Charleston was offering an EMT course that, for a semester. And my ears like perked up. And I thought, so they had a volunteer EM, EMS fire group on campus, which was like immediately I was like, well, that's interesting. Like I said, I, I'd always had this interest in like the fire service, the fire department. So I went and tried signing up. They're like, well, you got to be an EMT. And I was like, what is that? Like a CPR course or something? Like I, I had no <laughs> idea what that even meant. And they were like, well, you can sign up for the course here. And so I said, sure. And I, I figured it was like an afternoon long, like sort of CPR course. I look at the bill and it was like, I don't remember what it was, but it was pretty expensive. And I was like, what is this? And I started like looking into it. I'm like, oh, this is like, like a legit course. But at that point, and I, now rational me would have, should have been like, 
I knew I'm in this program. I said I was going to focus on it. I was like, nope, take my money. Boom. And so I was <laughs> second semester, I was taking creative writing classes during the day. And then twice a, twice a week, I was going to lab and classroom time to become an EMT. And so very quick, like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, for me, at least writing happens while life is happening. Right. Absolutely. Like I, can't, I can't sit in a room by myself very obviously that happens often to do the writing, but I can't just do that all the time. Or I, it's like, it's like watching paint dry. Like yeah. I need something else going on to keep me engaged and interested. Well, if you're not out living and you're not out exploring, and you're not out understanding what the world's going to give you. How in the hell are you going to write about the world? Right. Unless you're writing about the room that you're sitting in, which I mean, I'm sure you could do. And I bet if you sat there long enough without contact, you'd probably write a phenomenal psychedelic book about being in a room all by yourself. Um, but like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, I, 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 I won't ask for much, but I will ask for some form of acknowledgement at the beginning. You have to, you have to thank <laughs> me for the, you have to like write that book. And then at the front, you just have to say to Nathan and I'm like, Oh, that's amazing. And I don't even go by Nathan, but you still have to write that. So, uh, we put that on the record. There it is. Um, <laughs> But like that's you got to get out and you got to live and you got to do those things to be able to explore that life and yeah like I look at it and I think so much of what I so much of what I've written on my own just like I always carry like a notepad and pen or something and I've talked about this before but like on, my, on many of my trips I would just write like you know I've spent my time in the military and the air force bouncing around. And I can't tell you how many nights in a hotel room or early morning, I'm just sitting there like writing on like the notepad from the hotel. I'm like, oh, and and it's usually inspired from something I saw on that trip. And it's just like a little, you know, it's it's a notepad worth of a story. And then it gets tossed in the trash. Like it wasn't like, like whatever, you know? So it's like, yeah, you can tell the story, but like that is a, that is a beautiful thing. I will say this, you were talking about Charleston and talking about like military talking about supporting yourself. And I, I'm not the first person that's ever said this. I know there are people, but I swear if, if somebody wanted to find a way, this is kind of like bringing all this together and I want to switch subjects on something, but if, if somebody wanted to find a way to connect a lot of these different dots and they wanted to write, but they also wanted to serve and do different things, some reach out to me. I'll explain to you about being in the guard of the reserve and being an aviator. I don't think people understand. Like if you're like if you're a loadmaster on a C-17 based at Charleston, South Carolina, where they have a reserve unit, you can make a living on the side just going on trips, and it's called bumming. And you can just bum, and no kidding, just travel and go to school and get paid for it and go just. Be a writer who travels the world getting inspired by what you see. I mean, it's about as good a fuck. Listen, I'm not trying to be. Listen, there's a, there's at least three Marines right now that are like chewing on a bullet. And they're <laughs> dipping and they're injecting caffeine straight into their veins. And they're eating rattlesnake blood. And they were like, no, the best job in the world is to be a Marine Corps infantryman. I get it. And you know what? Listen, you're better than me. But what I'm saying is. I have slept in really nice sheets and I've gotten uh, intoxicated in many, many places. And I've also like been downrange and earned it and had fun, but I got a lot of different random things to write about because of it. So maybe go try it out. And then when you see me, you can pummel me and you're, you know, in my face for saying these things. Um, yeah, no, but dude, it's great. I, I, I honestly, everybody I've met that bums it, they love it. Um, you know, I mean, obviously my entire career has been reserve guard, active duty, like around everybody and seeing the different ways that 
there are people that have just bummed for a living. Like I did it for a little bit. I got off active status for a little while and, and, and bum for a bum for a couple of years. And man, I travel. you talk about traveling, like, I mean, traveling. Um, I do want to switch to talk about something else uh, about lit of war and stuff. But before I do, you, you're talking about storytelling. So I, I think it's funny. I wanted to t- mention this earlier. So well, while we're recording this today, obviously by the time this comes out, it'll be later. The Lethal Minds Journal did their release, you know, March 1st. So you're, uh, you know, you had a write-up in there. It was great. I loved it. I really am excited about the, you know, what you're doing. I, th- I thought it was phenomenal to, to essentially walk the battlefield through the story you told. Right. Um, and I'll kind of let you get into that and, and, and talk about, you know, that and literature of war and all that. But um, this book, I, I, this is kind of what I wrote about in, in the, the write-up for a lethal minds journal. It's related to for a handful of feathers. Right. Um, and I'm a Jim Harrison uh, nut. Like I love Jim Harrison and, and has introduction by Jim Harrison. So I was like, well, I have to buy it. Um <laughs> Okay. Sounded like the yeah, it sounded like the excuse I needed. Anyways, there's something in here that I thought was really, really cool. And it's this is basically for people that want to know this isn't a book. This is a guy, is a guy who bought a gigantic place and loves to like he loves to hunt birds, right? So he's a gigantic hunter of that, but then he also learns about conservation and just naturalism and all this. Anyway, that's what the book is. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining the book, but there's a line in there that I thought was really cool based on what you said. I was gonna read it earlier and then I was like, ah. Maybe I'll read it. And then you said that. And it just, it's talking about going out and hunting, right? It's talking about being a, the, the hunter, if you will. And, ki- and it's talking about killing, you know, birds and animals and all that kind of stuff. When killing is no longer imperative to the success of the endeavor, the natural progression is from hunter to teacher, from player to coach. The hunter becomes mentor, storyteller, a shaman to the following generation. And I, I read that. And in that moment, I was like, when I talked to Plunkett, I'm that I want to, I want to read that. Cause I think it's important when you're doing book club, you're, you're guiding the story, you're guiding, you're mentoring, you're coaching and doing what forever the club, you know, you're leading us through that literature of war. I feel like you're doing that, you know? Um, and then obviously with what you wrote today, it's, I was like, you know what? I want to read that. Cause I do think there is a point in whatever we're doing where we do become the mentor, the storyteller, we do focus on that next generation. And I think especially with what you approach with, you know, with literature of war, what you're, what you wrote in lethal minds journal, that is the epitome of, of that, for that, you know, for that following generation, if you will. So okay. what can you tell me about that? That's a great, great quote you just read. Um, there's a lot of truth packed into that. It's it's funny because the first thing I'm thinking of is going back to when I was a fledgling little writer, 18 years old at Gettysburg College and starting to write stuff and how there's this hubris, this kind of arrogance that comes with the young writer where we're I back then I was trying to impart so much so much more wisdom into my writing. Everything was like this <laughs> philosophical line. And I remember um uh, Fred Lebron, who's like my one of my mentors there, he would just come at me with the red pen and be like, you don't know anything. Take that out. Just focus on action. Focus on story right now. And for the longest time, that was what I, I think that was very important growing because there's just like, I know something about the world. It's like, you don't know anything about the world. You know, that's and, right. And that it's hard to realize that in the moment. And it's only recently I, I kind of internalized that to to an extent that it almost became 
at some point there was a there was a turning point. I don't know where it was uh, exactly, but there's like getting back to what, what is what do you know now, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can. I know my writing is at my worst when I and I need to step away when I'm just like he woke up, he got out of bed, he got the coffee, mm-hmm. put the coffee. Bottle. It's just all action. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's no life in there. That's right. I need to, it's, it's 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 all direct action. There's nothing else to it. That's not a story. There's no there's That's no right. life, soul. There's no nothing else going on. Um, it I think it's different for everyone when you begin to feel that moment of like, I can I can leave this in here. I can leave this line in here. It's not pretentious. It's not it's not preachy. It's not condescending. Yes. There's something here that I feel is of value to somebody else. Because for me, with writing, there's always the piece, the writer, and then flow, or excuse me, the, there's the, there's the the reader, the writer, and then floating in between is the piece itself, right? And yeah. something I've given up on is trying to put too much meaning into my writing, trying to be like, well, this is what I was trying to say. Yeah, the readers take something different away from it. Every 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 person who reads it takes something a little different away from it. Often, it, it blows my mind. It's like I sat down to write about this specific thing, and nobody seems to have gotten that, but they got yeah. something else. So a certain amount of maturity is, is, is knowing that like, I've got something to say, but if I really knew exactly what it was, I probably wouldn't spend years of my life writing a novel about it. Right. Like I would, right. just, I would just tell you, and then we just move on to the next thing there. Writing is as much exploration and the kind of intangible things as it is the finite and, and direct things. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean that, yeah, I'll be thinking about that quote quote for quite, quite a while. It's, I, I took a photo of it just to have it on my phone. Cause I was like, I really like that. And I was like, that is, and it's funny, I'm doing it now. Like as I'm, I'm, I'm in the last 12 months. Right. And like, I, I mentioned something and then what I wrote, you know, through lethal minds was, it, it was basically when you hit those 12 months um, and it, I don't know, maybe it's different, you know, after doing a couple of years of getting out, but I don't know. I was a dysfunctional human being when I enter, entered the military at best um, I was on a crash course and I wasn't like a, I wasn't like a, like a, I don't know, like a deviant or like a, you know, like a, you know, in and out of like prison kind of thing. But I was just, I was going to stand like somebody was going to be like, we should light ourselves on fire, rob that bank. And then see if we can't just like skydive without parachutes off the grand Canyon. And I've been like, that sounds like the best Tuesday I could ever do. Like I would have done that. Right. So like I needed the military, you know, I needed sergeants to like slap me in the back of the head and be like, Hey dude, you're dumb. Like, let me show you why this is how you get smart. I needed that. Right. Um, but I'm looking at it now in the, you know, in year 22, um, you know, going, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get out just short of the 23 year mark, but like I'm going to be done and I'm hitting that 12 months and I'm now noticing how much time I'm trying to spend like, Hey man, what are you going to do here? Hey, maybe you think about this. Hey, maybe about that. Don't forget this. Let me tell you about this time. And there's a lot of, you know, it's military. You think discipline, you think leadership, but it's passing on stories. You know, it's passing on knowledge now as much as I can. Um, And it's real. And I'm like, it's hitting me. I'm like, this is, this is it. This is the only time that it's, it's March 1st when we're recording, which means I now have what, 10 months to, pass on any knowledge that I could possibly give somebody right. like in person, you know, like in uniform or whatever you want to say, like in the, you know, in the barracks or in the squad or whatever, but yeah, it's wild. So yeah, it's definitely a, yeah, it's a, it's, it's very, uh, 
That's something that impacted me. Um, literature of war, man. I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about that because I love you. I love the page, and I I, I want to know where it comes from uh, and what you want to do with it and all that. Of course, yeah. So literature of war started, I guess, almost three years ago as well, because uh, the way that <laughs> it's another brainchild of uh, Major Thomas Schumann. You know, he said we were at it was during the first. Um, our first return to base program out in Montana for the first year that we were ever do. It's really the first one that patrol base Abate had done by itself. Uh, I think we had done one previously with another organization joint effort, but this was the first solo like on our own out there. Um, and it was a great time. It showed, you know, the potential of what that whole program could be and which it's turning into currently. Um, I just remember we, towards the end of it, I, Tom turned to me. He's like, yeah, I think you'd be a good fit for this page that I'm running. And I was like, oh, that's you too. And he's like, yeah, I just kind of started it. I don't have time to do too much with it right now. How do you feel about just taking over and we can work on it together? And I said, yeah, sure. Once again, like, okay, cool. Didn't know really know what that meant. I took a look at it. I was like, oh, this is cool. We're just going to post, you know, some quotes about things relating to war. Uh, and very quickly, we started brainstorming uh what we wanted this to be and like, like i said tom's the type of leader that if if you have an idea and you bring it to him he's cool to run with it you know the first uh, tell another quick fun tom story uh the first time i ever met him like was three months into doing the book club uh dead reckoning collective which is another if, you know if you haven't heard of dead reckoning collective definitely look them up run by tyler and keith two good Great friends yeah, who I met through Patrol Base Abate. That was kind of speaking about that community yeah. vibe. Like I didn't know them before that either. I, I knew about them, but and they were hosting a uh, a writing retreat of sorts up in uh, up in Maine. So I knew I had to go to that because it sounded like it was going to be a fun time. Uh, and they were like, "If you can figure out a way to get here, we have we have a bed for you to sleep in." Like th those are rare opportunities. Usually, yeah. Once again, coming out of like the writing world in New York and stuff, a lot of these things, like you go to an MFA program, the only thing you're qualified to do is teach at an MFA program. It's almost yeah. it feels like a pyramid scheme sometimes. Uh, I don't want to badmouth MFA programs too much, but it can feel that way. Like yeah. you're like, oh my God. And so everything costs money. So when they were like, yeah, if you can get up here, man, you know, just crash on this, on this bed we got, we're going to talk writing for a couple of days. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Definitely. I bought my plane ticket. I was like, I'm going. Yeah. And I found out that, uh, Mac from Pipes and Pages and Tom were coming too. And we were all flying into Boston. And just to give you the idea, like the kind of people that that we are, that they are, that this community is like, is I landed first, we rented a car, we were going to split a car. And I I got in first, I picked up the car and I was waiting an hour or whatever for them to get in. And so I gave my mom a call just to catch up because I had some time to kill. And she's like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, well, I'm up these guys. Like, who are they? I'm like, I don't really know. Like I met them on the internet. <laughs> And uh, she's like, where are you going? I'm like, and at that moment, I realized I actually don't have the address to like where this like Tyler yeah. and Keith the address. They just said, oh, it's just it's up in Maine in this town. I was like, uh, yeah, I don't have the address. Yeah, I should probably have. Uh, and I'm done thinking, oh, crap, Tom's an officer. I'm like the lower enlisted guy here. Uh -huh. have I'm like trying to I'm trying to text them. Nobody's responding. I'm like, okie dokie. Pull up the <laughs> terminal. They, you know, they come out of the, out of the outside and they're like, all right, where are we heading? And I was like. 
I don't know. <laughs> like, okay, let's start driving north. And that's like exactly like they just got in this car with this guy they'd never met before. I didn't know who they were. Yeah. And we just started driving north to, you know, eventually, obviously, Tyler and Tom or Tyler and Keith did text us and we got the address when we got there. But that's like, that's the energy, you know, yeah. and that's exactly what literature, what Patrol Base Abate was at the beginning and what literature of war is like. It's like, get in the car, asshole. We're going. Yeah. We're going to and, uh, so for a while, Literature of War was just the Instagram account. We were just like generating these posts. And, and our approach was, yes, it, it's war literature. But the definition of what that means, if you follow the page at all, is very wide. It's very wide. I mean, that's everything from, uh, yeah, the classic war books, the Iliad, the Odyssey, those kind of ancient texts to rap lyrics that we found to uh, picture books that we stumbled upon to, to plaques that we passed while we're walking, you know, and and. Tom and Tyler actually from Dead Reckoning Collective is involved with that as well. We've got like uh, one of those joint uh, nat, uh, note applications where we just like yeah. throw things all the time. And I would just get that red square up. I would I would copy the text and make sure it actually came from where from where we thought it came from. So that uh, you know, because a lot of times that's the other funny things people say like, "Oh, from this book," and you're like, "That actually didn't. That's not quoted from there." That's yeah, that's, that's right. Um. But to take it a step further, you know, at the beginning of this year, we we knew we were at a point where we wanted to take this to the next level. We were getting a lot of followers. We incorporated it as a nonprofit. We got that 501c3 status and we we're like, well, like, what's next? And what we want to do is get literature into the hands of the troops, right? Yeah. Sabate is focused around the veteran community, the active duty. Like you said before, you, if you served... The cool thing about Patrol Base Abate is you are welcome at yep. one of these clubs, not just the book club, a hunt club, fight club, whatever it is. If you served, uh, you're welcome at the table, right? Yeah. Literature of War's mission is to get that relevant literature into the hands of the troops and not just get, it's not just here's a bag of books, like have fun with it, right? Because anybody yeah. who served in the military knows that even the smallest bases tend to have something that resembles a library, right? Even yeah. if it's just a shelf of a couple old books, they're there. Mm -hmm. Whether anybody's actually reading them is different. So, mm -hmm. yes, get relevant literature into the hands of the troops who are currently serving right now, who are going to be fighting that next war, whatever that next engagement is. They That's are. Right. It's it's already in progress. We don't know exactly what it is. We have some people much more in the know have some ideas better than I do, but something's happening, and we don't know exactly what it's going to be yet. But we are, you know, you can't rest on your laurels. So, how do we prepare them for that? So it's not just here's a bag of books you know, the vision going forward, and there'll be more about this as, as we develop it, but we've, we've currently identified five units that want books that we, we put it out there. Hey, if you want a library, reach out to us. Cool thing was, was having that form out there in less than an hour, I had five people reach out to me That's that awesome. I didn't, these weren't, these weren't friends of friends either. It was yeah. like random units were like, we want to be a part of this. So we're, we've identified those units. We're currently gathering the books. And once we get those books to the troops, it's going to be, what are we, what are they going to do with these books now? Right? Like that's the whole that's thing. Right. It's not just, here it is, have fun with it. You know, uh, that that's good. Cool. Donations are donations, but we want to take it a step further and see what the troops have to say about these books. Right? Yeah, that's right. Soldiers, sailors, whatever, whatever branch you're serving in. If you've read one of the books that's been donated that has that literature of war stamp in the front, we want to hear from you. You know, we want That's to hear. Right. And, and once again, uh, Lethal Minds is great about this as well. It's they're very big about if hey, if if you've got an idea, you've written a little bit about it, but you don't think it's good enough, whatever that means, send it to us. We've got an editorial team that will take a look at it and help you along that road. To, That's right. To, 
And that's, you know, we are under the Lethal Minds umbrella. Um, we are going to be doing something similar to that. That's the idea is we want to hear from the troops after we get these books into their hands. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking to one unit and they were uh, very excited to be working with us, but they did come with uh, what I might call reservations. They said, we've done a program like this before. And what we we had guys who were, you know, forward deployed and they got a couple of boxes of used romance novels and cookbooks that you can't do anything with when you're in an austere yeah. environment with that. <laughs> like, you know, and they said exactly. they basically, they found unconventional uses for those books that did not involve reading. Uh, yes. That, uh, you know, like that's all they were good for at that point. Right. So donations are cool, but if I bring you, okay, here's a donate, here's a bunch of my dirty gym socks that I have no use. That's not really. That's right. That great of a donation. You know what I mean? Like, that's I right. guess so, but come on, like, let's think about this. So, Literature of War's mission is to get those books into the troops' hands and then to see and then to create a community based off of that. And what that's that looks awesome. like, I don't there's more more to come on that, but that's what we're what we're doing, the, the you know, the long and short of it. I love it, man. I think it's really, really important. We were talking the other day. I was like, hey, let's see if we can figure out how to help. And with the one thing we were talking about, I've got a I'm I'm gonna be having a conversation with uh with leadership on. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um uh but then also like getting the books out there. That's the other thing too. Like we were talking about like transporting the books and stuff like that. You know, that's a whole nother thing. I think there's a community that we live in that we can figure out all kinds of ways to get things to them. Right. Which is hilarious when you think about it, but it's exactly the military training that they give us. And it's also the community that we live in where it's like, where does that need to go? Well, there's a logistical process. Well, if I know somebody that can get, uh, get books on an airplane, then I can get books moved. If I can get books on a convoy that's going from this base to that base, they can get them moved. Hey, this go, this dude's going PC, he's PCSing. Oh shit, dude. He can take all these different options, right? But that's what our community does. And the best thing is it connects. I mean, you know, Schumann now lives in California and he's a Marine Corps officer. But like if you, when I met, uh, like whenever I became familiar with PB Abate, became familiar with Dead Reckoning Collective. Um, all all the different things. Where I was, where he was, where you were, where this person was. We've all since moved pretty much, like give or take. We, you know, obviously you just moved there before, but like, most of us have moved in the time that we've already known. Yep. And it's like you're still connecting the dots with other people from other branches, other past experiences, fresh into it. Like people at the academies now, like, so it's all over the place. Right. And so I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the coolest things is the connections we can have through all these different things. Like, I don't know. I, I love the, uh, I love the, uh, for lack of a, well, for the pun, the lethality of what we can do with all this. Right. But it's true. I, we can, it can easily get reduced to cliches and sound bites that sound like kind of they don't ring true. But at the same time, like like you just said, there is this whole community, and people want to help. People want to yes. want to. You know, we immediately whenever I try to do anything, whether it's go go out and get food, or launch a book drive for five different units all over the all over the world, you run into issues, right? There's all oh I didn't yeah. put gas in my car. Oh, I, you know all these goofy things that happen that that seem like obstacles. One of the another one of the cool things that I feel like I've really uh, internalized since volunteering with Patrol Base Abate is it's just execute. Like there's no time for complaints. That's right. I myself getting frustrated or or this or this shouldn't be done. To, whoop, nope. 
you are still on the side of a mountain in Montana and you still have this issue despite right. all your all your frivolous complaining, right? It has done mm-hmm. nothing to solve the solution. And it's the same thing working in EMS. There it tends to be uh the, the combat stories, which I haven't experienced personally, but which I've gotten a lot out of my friends who have been talked about those experiences and my own experiences working on an ambulance. It's like, yeah, everything is effed six ways from Sunday. What are you going to do about it? There's not, there's no other, yeah. there's no other course of action but to just figure out a way around it at this point. You know, that's you got to right. go around it, over it, whatever it is. And that's the kind of the, this is now it's like exciting, right? It that's used to right. be shuffle. Now it's more fun. Now it's like, okay, now I've literally, you know, if in, in the room right next to here, I've got like probably about 50 books now that have come in over the last couple of days from strangers, very generous strangers all over the place who want to see this mission be completed. That's they right. want to see it. Through. That's part of it right there. That's the beginning. Now it's exciting. Like, yeah, we, I know we're going to, there's going to be 61 different monkey wrenches that are going to get thrown into this operation yep. before these books make it into the hands of the troops. But it's exciting. It's like, there's yeah. going to be, going back to stories, I can tell you that there's going to be 10 funny stories that come out of this initial campaign that'll be fun to tell about for years from now. And it'll all be worth it. I know I, I'm fully confident with that. Yeah. I completely agree. I totally agree. Like, and I think that's, I don't know. I love it. I love it. I love that it's a, you know, I love that it's a thing, you know, if people don't understand like the logistics of, of stuff also. So this is going to sell, this is kind of, this is right along the lines of logistics, uh, you know, and, and, and doing this kind of stuff. But when people start to think like, Oh, I don't know if somebody's like, Oh, I'd like to do this. Uh, we can't get a book club here. Or oh, I don't know if I want to get those books or anything else on multiple deployments, multiple deployments. I cannot tell you how many times in Iraq, Syria, like Afghanistan, all those places that on the back of our C-130 that we were hauling people and or, you know, trash, you know, we're moving, you know, whatever, moving it from this place to that. When I say trash, I just mean equipment for people who don't know, just whatever, whatever shit needs to be. If you can get it in, we'll, you know, we will haul it, right? It's called the trash hauler. Um, in the tail of that thing, because it's uninsulated, we slap a box of like cold, those little cold milks, right? Or we grab a, a, a magazine or we go to the chow hall and we just grab whatever food we can find or we steal boxes out of the bag. Because if you know how to do it, you could actually get into the the storage units because there's one person at the front. And if you did it just right, you could go in, open that door, get their attention and everybody else could run behind them and go snatch boxes. Now I'm sure that airman had to account for the shit that was missing. And I'm, I'm terribly sorry, but I don't give a shit because we were able to like haul stuff down range and just dump it off for Marines, right? Dump it off for, you know, army, dump it off for whoever was down range. I can't tell you how many times you'd walk in and there was a there was a uh, there's a a rack like in your op squadron where you would go in you go in uh you check the board this is what we got tonight like you'd be sitting in your hooch they phone in you know, the phone ring you check it all right alert time here we go they go in you walk in check the board this is where we're going we're going to this location this location that you know and it may change but like these are the seven places you're going to fly to tonight all right, cool. Sounds good. We're going to go and get our Intel brief, find out if we're actually going somewhere that's like, you know, there's an issue or uh, we're pretty good. What are we dealing with tonight? This is all this stuff. Cool. And then there was always a rack outside care packages where people just j- walk by and grab whatever they want. You want to take a little bit of this or a little bit of that with you. But then every now and then you just see a thing and it would be a box and in big, like sh- Sharpie across like a, a, a piece of paper on top, it'd be like, 
get this to this place to this to this soldier, right? Cool. And you just be like, hey, we're going to that place. Yep. All right, cool. Let's got it. We got it. Tell them we got it. You just take it and you would just whenever you got there, one of the load masters would be like, hey, this is going to this person. And they'd show it to them on the front and be like, yeah, got it. Cool. And that's how shit was getting delivered. Right. And it's that's that is no kidding. Just a moron like me walking into a building and being like, uh, I can read that name. All right. We're going to that place and then taking it. And then that's how it gets there. Right. I don't know these people. I'll never meet them again. But like, I mean, if I went through all my deployments, I probably could end up finding somebody that's in PB Abate that was on the ground somewhere that we delivered something to. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a it's such a cool thing the way that, you know, this community can build. Um, I don't know, man. I'm really excited for what you guys are doing with that. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly the attitude that the you know it's it's a misconception about the military. Oh, you, everybody just takes orders and you're like a robot or all that. If you have spent twelve hours in any branch of the military, you know that's not. That I mean, not they're working like that, yeah. of course, but not the people who make things happen, right? It's that Correct. sort of creativity that comes out of like, yeah. I remember being in Twenty Nine Palms when we did our our um, our, our big training out there back in twenty seventeen. Right after I got to my unit, the first thing I did when after we got we touched down is we were missing all these little things for we were a cat platoon, right? So combined anti-armor team on the mm-hmm. armored Humvees and all that. Uh, and there's tons of little gadgets, little pins that go here, go here, keep the machine gun on there, all these little things that and of course we're missing a bunch. So the first thing I started doing every th- you just look on the ground, it's similar to the piece that I had in uh, Lethal Minds today. It's like if you're looking, you're probably gonna find some things. Mm-hmm. And, I was finding pinnel pins left and right and just sticking in my admin pouch on my, on my kit the whole time. And I I know that my truck was fine the whole time we were out there because if you, if you're paying attention, you'll find what you need. Right. And it was, well, I mean, come on, it's, there's, what do they say? One, one thief in the Marine Corps and everybody else is just trying to get their shit back. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there's a reason that's a saying, you know, that's right. That's exactly right, dude. That's exactly right. I want to uh, uh, I want to ask a, a couple things. Um, we can kind of roll through them as fast or slower, but like from a book club standpoint, for people that don't know, so like right now we're doing uh, "For Whom the Bell Tolls," Ernest Hemingway, and so we we dive into that. Um, but we do we do whatever book comes up. Like you said, tribes is you know is what it started with. So, um, but there's also cool stuff inside of it, and I think it's worth bringing up right when we talk about PB Abate. We talk about book club and we've mentioned Montana and all those things and go into one of the retreats for people that don't understand. And I'll let you kind of elaborate on this, but what we're talking about, we say there's a fish club, uh, I mean, a hunting club and a fishing club or a running club or insert whatever club. We're not just saying this is a club that's in one town, or we're not saying it's a club that just meets virtually online to talk books once a month kind of thing, or whatever the case may be. It's there's an actual physical location that we are taking people to so they can be a part of a community talking about something they love. Right. right? And I, I think it's important to expand on like that, that actual physical, I haven't been there. You have. So like the actual, no kidding patrol base Abate out in Montana. Yeah. So the actual patrol base, the physical patrol base is located in Thompson Falls, uh, Montana. And that's through the generosity of John Torres, who is another uh, Marine from three, five, was on that same deployment, knew, knew uh, Matt Abate personally, served with him. Uh, and his family's been there for generations. Uh, they they did all the, they, they, they've they uh, harvested that land. They, they do a lot of the lumber on there. They did, um, the word has escaped me, but the, the, the they literally put the pipes into the, into the 
hill to get the water that comes off of it. Wow. And you can see that. It's really cool. It's it's really special. And we're incredibly grateful that they allowed us to, to do this program there. And like you said, once a year, each club or the more prominent clubs, I should say, get the opportunity to go out there for a weekend and have this in-person uh, experience where you get to kind of get away from city life, your normal life, put everything on pause just for a minute, and you get to reconnect with nature and your fellow veterans over whatever that theme is, right? So for the book mm-hmm. clubs, obviously, we have a guest author out there. We talk literature. We talk writing. We get out in nature. There's yoga. There's there's opportunities to explore the area. Um, listen, it's it's not a it's not a resort. It's a, yeah. you feel like it definitely generates some of those feelings of being on a field op. You're sleeping in a tent. Uh, you probably won't get the shower. We do have some, we have like the portable, uh, tent showers. Uh, if you're, if you've ever been camping and familiar with that, mm-hmm. uh, but you're going to eat good and you're going to have good company and you're going to have a good time. Right. So it's that a whole idea of just getting a little bit out of your comfort zone. Right. Which That's if you've right. served in the military, I don't care what your MOS is. You may not have been, uh, you know, deployed 16 times and done all this crazy stuff, but you've probably done at least one field op. At one point, you've yes. slept on the ground at some point. I don't care who you are. Yes. You've had that experience. And maybe it sucked. Maybe you hated it, but you did it. And that's exactly kind of the ph- philosophy mm. behind uh, the patrol base is like, you just get a little bit out of out of your comfort zone. We've got cots. You're going to have a tent. You're not going to be like in the elements necessarily, but you're probably going to, it's not sleeping at home in your own bed. And it's wild to watch in less than 72 hours how people connect to each other. I've done it two years now. I'm about to do it again in June for the third year in a row. And I kid you not, there's always that look of like, I don't know if I should have done this. Like, what have I signed up for that people get on like the first when they first walk onto the onto the property? And then within a day, you start to see these relationships forming between people. By the end of the time, it's like we've all been best friends forever. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Like, I, and I, I use that word deliberately. Like, it is something really special, and it's hard to describe unless you've kind of been through the program yourself. And what's yeah. even cooler is a lot of people who go out there, uh, they come back and they start their own clubs, right? They they feel kind of invigorated, and then they well, they're like, well, I went on the book club or, uh, program, and that was awesome, but. I, you know, I've always wanted to do talk about films. And so I'm going to start my own film club. I I, I love golf and I feel like this would, there's a lot, enough other people here who want to, I'm going to start a golf club. Those things are happening. And that's where you start to see like the, the feedback, the positive feedback that comes from that's community. It's being created in real time. And it's really cool to see. Yeah. I love it, dude. I think it's fantastic. Like, I think it's incredible. Um, that's well, I mean, listen, man, I, I like being a part of certain communities. That's why, like, that's why I'm doing the podcast for Lethal Minds Journal, right? It's like it is it is a community. It is a part of this community that we exist, you know, and you know, uh, that that we're in, this incubator, if you will, you know. So and I love it. So I think it's important. What's a couple like if you were you gotta give a couple books that you think because I won't take too much of your time, you know. Um, but uh What's a couple books that you would offer up to somebody be like, Hey, it doesn't matter what, what realm, whatever, but yeah. What would you offer up for people to Um, check out? I'd say one of the most important novels that I've read in probably the last 10 years is on earth. We're briefly gorgeous by ocean Vuong. Uh, He's a writer, a Vietnamese writer who came here as a child and grew up in Connecticut. He's actually a poet is what he started out as. I uh, published um, a couple, one or two poetry collections, uh, and then he wrote his first novel, On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. 
and it's kind of a coming of age story it's a, it's part of a it's part immigration story it's part finding yourself it's it's got so much wrapped up in it that that it, it's hard to talk about in just one quick moment you know but it's written in the form of a letter of this narrator writing to his mother and who can't who might not be able to read the, the letter that he's writing and that's kind yeah. of the premise of this and it's just after I finished that, I was like, we need more poets to write straight up fiction novels because yeah. it's really special. Um, Haruki Murakami, that's another one of my my big, big uh, heroes. Uh, his novels are great. But what I talk about when I talk about running, uh, which is his memoir about he's a he's known for being a marathon runner. He runs like one marathon a year. He's done triathlons. Uh, he's Japanese and uh just a really fantastic approach to writing life and running. And it just like, I read that memoir usually once a year towards the end of the year. And it always just reminds me of how running a marathon and writing are more or less the same thing. And there's yeah. so much there and so much that can be taken away. Um, yeah. Those are two books off the top of my head that I would definitely recommend. There you go. There you go. Um, unit wise you know we need to talk about it we uh, about what you're doing and all that um but if you were talking like let's think of the units where the books are going and everything else obviously we want them to we'll see what they turn into and and all that but you got the guy or the gal who doesn't read they may listen to this podcast because they like lethal minds or they like this or that but they haven't been part of the hunting the, the reading club maybe they're maybe they're not part of book club maybe they're part of whatever club or they just heard that they were supposed to, somebody told them they're supposed to listen. There's at least one person that listens to this that's like 19 and somebody's like, they knife hand them and they were like, you will listen to this podcast. And, <laughs> and they were like, I don't want to. And they're like, you will listen or I will make you do more pushups. <laughs> and then you're like, oh my God. So that's, you know, that's how they're getting their weekend passed. So thank you person who's being forced to listen to us right now. <laughs> but if you wanted to get them into reading, what would you, do you have like a, I mean, you're way better at this than I am when it comes to kind of you've dove in dove in there you go <laughs> you have dove into this is fantastic i'm gonna keep that word in right now i'm actually gonna i'm gonna stick with that word i'm going down fighting with it you have dove in into literature uh at a deeper level than me so where would you kind of guide them into like how would you tell somebody to get into reading that's a great question and there's no one single answer that's gonna that's gonna satisfy it right because people come from all sorts of different backgrounds, all different experiences, all different education levels. Like, yeah, once you've gone through a master's program, you've probably built up a certain tolerance to sit with a book like Moby Dick and you can be like, but don't you see the, how this it's all America it's in here. And people are like, you know, sleeping while you're trying to talk to them about this. I get that. Like, like I said, tear down the pretensions. Look, there's so many resources out there though. You know what I mean? Like look at the commandant's reading list. Look at, look on yeah. Instagram, tons of people out there and you can start with a book like, uh, Ender's Game is one that comes up all the time in veteran communities. That's that's it, it's a fun book, you know. What yeah. I mean? Reading can be fun. There's yeah. nothing wrong. I, I don't look at that as like, oh, well, that's like beginner level. No, 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 no. it's not. That's a good story. Mm -hmm. And if that pulls you in and it moves you, run with it and see. You know, start Google. So much of what I've learned is just using the internet. Like I, I get obsessed. I'm a little compulsive in my. I think writing is kind of a compulsive thing as well. Yeah. And I'll get like. If I get really into an author, I'll just start Googling them. Interviews, interviews are like, who who are they reading when they wrote this? Is is it available? Is it out there? And they'll be like, well, 
you know, I, I always admired this writer, like, okay, well, we'll check that writer out. You know, it's, it's a certain amount of like, do your own investigating. Yeah. Feel just explore, you know, and, and yeah. don't be embarrassed to say, Hey, I like this book a lot. It's, it's not like a really literary book. Bullshit. Screw that. Yeah. It, if it moved you, I want to hear about it, you know? Um, so get creative, explore, use, use the resources. It's never been easier to access all this information. It's just like, you have to look for it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Come to the Sobe Sabate book club. That too. Absolutely. And if you don't, and I will find out who the person in charge of you is, and then they will revoke your weekend pass until you <laughs> be a part of book club. And we will do this the old fashioned military way. The, uh, the beatings will continue until the morale improves, you know? So, yeah. Uh, Listen, man, I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you jumping on and doing this with me. Um, anything you want to cover before we we bail out of here? Uh, I'll just say that you know things are happening with Literature War. Uh, we will be having our own podcast coming out sometime over the summer. Uh, we're very excited about it. We're you know there's things in the works. We're going to have guest authors on. Uh, we're going to talk writing. We're going to talk life. We're going to talk stories. So that's something to look forward to. Nice. I can't, I'm very excited for that. So I'm pumped. All right, brother. Well, I'm going to hit pause on this, but I appreciate you, man. I really do. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. There you go. I hope you enjoyed spending this time with me and Plunkett uh, talking all things, well, all things literature and the uh, lethality of them. Uh, if you are interested, Patrol Base Abate, go to the website, patrolbaseabate.org, check it out. Um, you will learn more about us and the other clubs. I'm not saying the other clubs aren't important. I'm not saying the other clubs aren't valuable, that they're not cool. I'm saying they're not as cool as us. Um, yeah, and if you're in Fight Club and you don't like me saying that, then fight me, bro. Don't really. I'm a book nerd. Either way. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed your time. Cheers. <laughs>